Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name is Evan. And my name is Alex. And I don't... I say this every time, but we got a good one. We got an exciting one. I need to think of something new to say because this one yeah. is above and beyond expectations today, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So, Evan, well, I'll just get into it. Today we are covering The Fantastic Mr. Fox by Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when's the last time before uh, we were covering this that you had seen this movie? Probably a couple of years back, and I, I think I slept through some of it so i don't know that i've ever actually watched the entirety of it until this time around uh but i am a, a big wes anderson fan I, I think i've seen the majority of his movies maybe not all of them but generally i love his stuff and yeah this this one does not disappoint this one no. is right up there it's uh, just as wes anderson e yes. as any of his other films so here's me with wes anderson love wes anderson he's got some of the best movies of all time love his style the last thing i saw from him though was the french dispatch mm-hmm. which i ain't gonna lie was ass it was so you bad didn't like it i oh, did not man. did you did you see it i i did watch it um <laughs> it, it it's him being wes anderson you know it's you know uh, Maybe I need to give it another watch. It was late. We saw it in theaters. I was a little mm-hmm. stoned. I, I remember feeling very confused throughout a decent part of it. Sure. Which I guess can happen in a Wes Anderson film, but doesn't normally happen. Like, uh, So now we're just jumping around. My favorite Wes Anderson film is mm-hmm. Moonrise Kingdom. Love Moonrise Kingdom. That's I, I think it may be like a top 10 film ever, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I... After the French Dispatch, my Wes Anderson love was was just uh, I I hadn't turned on him. I'm not like no, but like I just hadn't thought about him in a while. So watching mm-hmm. this movie again, holy cuss! I cannot believe <laughs> how exciting this movie. Like I, this was a I, I experienced every range of emotion. I laughed. I teared mm-hmm. up. I was emotional. I felt sick to my stomach at one point. I said, oh, I said, oh, I, what a great <laughs> fucking, sorry. Now I, I broke the, the trend. Yeah. I was going to try to say what cuss for everything. Cussing. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the more unexpected, hilarious parts when he's like, you cussing at me? He's like, cuss, well, I'm cussing. It was so great. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll let you, you go, go, you go. Go for it. Um, no, I don't even know what I'm just going to keep rambling on about how awesome this is. Uh, I was going to say, so French Dispatch, um, I watched it at home, so I didn't watch it in theater, so maybe mm. that adds to my okayness with it. Uh, yeah. I think maybe it's not top-tier Wes Anderson, but it is sort of Wes Anderson at his most Wes Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> and I was True. thinking about it today. I feel like Wes Anderson is the antithesis to Tim Burton. He's like the anti-Tim Burton. Bro, I had a similar thought. I love thought, everything they're, about that. They're both claymation. And I literally, and <laughs> it was colorful. It was the dialogue is fast. It, mm-hmm. You're right. It is the opposite of Tim Burton's. And I'm all That's for so it. Funny. I love it yeah. so much more. No, 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 no. I mean, this. I'm not kidding when I, I say like this. Actually, fired on every fucking cylinder. The mm-hmm. animation, the, or excuse me, the claymation. Right. It's a. It's a. It's a claymation movie. 
Uh, was, it's puppets. I, I don't know. It's oh, stop motion, but it's not. Stop mo- Oh, but they're puppets. Yeah. Yes, <gasps> yes, yes. Wow. Wait, what? That's mm-hmm. so cool. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. It, it was not beautifully like, done. Not like string puppets, but it's oh. like, they're like little figures you can. I thought they were marionettes. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I thought they were little marionettes. Okay. Yeah. No, uh-huh. no, no, no. I'm picturing what you're saying now because they have like fur. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, not all aesthetics, but heavily leaning into vibes. it. Yeah, a lot of vibes. And it, okay, it definitely is a, an aesthetic in itself. The other thing, well, though, our complaint that. with the Tim Burton thing is the theme was really muddled. Not in this movie. I felt mm-hmm. like you, we can talk about this, but there's a couple of themes, I think, at play here that were For really, sure. really, really strong and really good. I mean, the first one, I think the most obvious is like greed is bad or i don't know <laughs> if i had to boil it down so that wasn't my big takeaway well okay hit movie. me with it my big takeaway this movie is about a a, a man or a fox struggling uh with his his pride and his ego and, and figuring out who he is outside of what he does or what he used to do which is oh. like thieving and like who is he beyond that who is he as a father and now that you mentioned moonrise kingdom it seems almost like a a nice book end to that even though it came uh, long before that or maybe a couple of years before that but like moonrise kingdom is very much about like young love adolescence those very early feelings and then fantastic oh, mr is... fox is like something i feel like maybe we could both relate to is like who are we beyond the thing the yeah. thing that we do uh work your what, job yeah your job that kind of I loved thing. The so they were like two years, which is 12 fox years, and they had like <laughs> so good, but so yeah, you're right. She so they're having a baby, and she says, I want you to, to find a new line of work, I don't want you to be a thief anymore. Which so classic, that's his job because that's what foxes do is they sneak into <laughs> barns and they kill. Like, it's just it's so clever. Oh, oh, you know what? We got to take it back, you know, before we start diving into all of this. I do want to talk about this was a book by the author Ronald Dahl. Rolled. Rolled doll. Rolled doll. Rolled doll. Rolled doll. Okay. Do you do you know about this guy? Have you have you uh read anything about I mean obviously you know a little about him, but do you know about him? I don't like I know his other big works, James oh. and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda. I didn't know that one. Matilda. Yeah. Oh, He's got an amazing yeah. catalog of, of literature that he wrote. Mm-hmm. He's a British um well, I, I'm going to get into the spoilers of this. He is a British spy turned children's author. I'm not even making this up. I'm not making this up. I learned this from an episode of Drunk History. Okay. And he <laughs> um, he was a spy. He Well, first he was in the uh, Navy or the Air Force. Uh-huh. He was in the Air Force for a long time. Then he turned to intelligence. He was a spy and he had like a very successful spy career. And then when he retired, he just made the most banging – stories of all time that like have lived on past his life yeah i know it's really wild but Uh, i thought that's a fun fact what what is it with british intelligence or british uh servicemen going into the arts there's roald dahl there's christopher lee who we talked about a couple episodes uh ian fleming the james bond author i'm pretty sure was there's gotta be something about war but okay (laughs) Why doesn't that happen in the U.S.? We get, like, American <laughs> Sniper with Bradley Cooper. Like, <laughs> we don't get great Stop. works of art. You know what I mean? Roasted. You know, British people are more cultured. <laughs> That's all it is. That's literally all it is. <laughs> they retire from their service, and they're like, I'm just going to vibe out and chill. Yeah. For, like, 
<laughs> right? Little children's stories. Um, that's that's fascinating that he was a spy. Yeah. Uh, but so that's but, the origins. But we were on a good roll of themes, so I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But let's get back to that. So you were mm-hmm. mentioning we can kind of relate to the fantastic. Excuse me. At this point, he's just a Mister Fox. <laughs> he's not a he's not a quote unquote fantastic Mister Fox. So yeah. he was a thief. Uh, stealing birds and they're having a baby and his wife is like you can't die and she's like you need to find a new line of work so he becomes uh an uh uh, he works at the newspaper the local newspaper he's got a blurb and i'm not gonna lie the fact that you said we can relate to him i totally can because we have a podcast and he'll like bring it up he's like i wonder if anyone he's like do any of your friends listen to my podcast or at the end he's like you know maybe from time to time you guys have seen my article read it he's like probably not <laughs> and it's like that's so what it is trying to pitch a podcast to your real life friends you're like i well, you know if you listen to it you listen to it if you don't you don't i understand yeah. It's also I don't I don't know if you ever experienced this, but it's also like the most embarrassing thing when anyone I know in real life brings up the podcast. It's like, no, sh- that's my online Stop. life. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Shh. No, 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 um, no. One time or someone's was, like, oh, what do you have a podcast about? And I'm like, it's yeah. about cartoons. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> we were out at the bar in Seattle visiting our good friend Cruiser, a couple of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why, but we we're chatting up some strangers in, and they're like, what do you do? And cruiser introduced me as he goes yeah this guy's a podcaster and for some reason it felt like a slur i was like i have a job (laughs) i have a real job (laughs) oh you're like i can't tell if you're roasting me that's so funny (laughs) felt like a dig you're like i do other things but yeah Yeah. i am (laughs) that's so funny um But yeah, no. So Mr. Fox, though, there is these themes of identity and who you are past uh, a post parenthood, I'd say. But you didn't see any themes of the greed is evil. Like, I mean, yes. Like there's the big capitalism is bad and the bogus bunts of beans. Well, also, Mr. Fox is greed and like. I guess you said ego. I saw it as more like a greedy, selfish move. Because so here's here was the part where he not lost me, but so he does the first heist. He's like, it's my last heist, my grand last heist. He does it, and he's like, it's a three parter. We're hitting them all. (laughs) It's a classic one last job. (laughs) (laughs) That's but so we're making fun of it, but it really is like he took like a classic caper, like a one last heist, but it is. A story of animals and mm-hmm. foxes and uh it's just so I, I know we said the animation is beautiful but story-wise it's really beautiful also there's like these really really intense dialogue scenes between george clooney and meryl streep mm-hmm. which two of the greatest actors of all time they're playing foxes in fantastic mr fox let's talk about the cast can we talk about the cast yes, for a second absolutely so as I mentioned, the leads, we have uh, uh, Mr. Fox and his wife. Um, ooh, I'm blinking on her name. I know Mrs. he just Fox. said. Mrs. Fox. I think she's co- mostly referred to as Mrs. Yeah, Fox. Yeah, she definitely has a name, though, and I, now I'm blinking on it. Felicity. I, he's, Felicity. Felicity he said it at the end. Yeah, so uh, Felicity mm. is played by the Meryl Streep, maybe the mm. best actress of all time. Uh, George Clooney, considered one of the best. He plays Mr. Fox. And then <laughs> their son, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> Now, look, I love Jason Sportsman, but I guarantee there's a big population out there that's like, who is this guy? 
has he been in anything that's not by Wes Anderson? I couldn't name a single thing he's in that is Pretty not sure a Wes Anderson film. Pretty sure he's in Wet Hot American Summer, but not the original, the Netflix remake uh, okay. of the series. Now that I say that, I, I think Jason Schwartzman was in Scott Pilgrim. Is maybe, yes, yes, yeah. yes. He's the villain. In, so I really like him. Anytime he's in something, I instantly am like, well, he's also in Moonrise Kingdom. He's in a lot of Wes Anderson stuff. But like you said, what non-Wes Anderson yeah. thing? I, he also has like a face where every time I see him, I'm like, was he in Big Bang Theory? And I know, <laughs> I literally know he's not, but he just looks you like think he was... he's that one guy. I couldn't name him, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the one dude who looks like him. That's so funny. No, it's not him. He's not in Big Bang Theory. He plays their son, uh, and, and their son is, in my opinion, um, so uh, Ash is his name. Mm-hmm. He's one of the more interesting characters in the whole thing. Yes. This, I'm not kidding. This was a, a, an 11 out of 10. Like, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, everything about it. I was on the edge of my seat. The dialogue, there's something about a Wes Anderson film where the dialogue feels not like Aaron Sorkin, where they're firing off the wittiest thing you've ever heard at lightning speed, but they're saying really profound, deep things at, at, a, at a good speed, where if you miss it, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to miss it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's it's wild. It's a really, really well-written movie, too. I know it's based on a book, but but he, he really knocked his adaptation out of the park. Yeah. Uh, so the screenplay is by Wes Anderson, the director, and uh, also co-written by Noah Baumbach, if you've Sounds seen familiar. The Marriage Story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which is, you know, famously memed, semi-autobiographical about Noah Baumbach's life. But also the funny thing about, so that movie is about his divorce or or like his marriage and then how it subsequently falls apart. And uh, from what I've read, at that time in his life, he was like working on the Madagascar movies. (laughs) (laughs) Why is the Madagascar movies what broke him? He's just like, that's Adam Driver pounding his fist at the wall. He's like, I can't take these lions and zebras anymore. Yeah. Um, So it's just so funny to think that like, that guy's going through all this inner turmoil and, and co-writing fantastic mystery. He's writing about the penguins. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe this was the beginning of that, that journey of like, Noah Baumbach struggling to figure out who he is as an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is crazy to me. Ready for this? This is actually a good one. I'm I'm now reading on Wikipedia that um, – so this movie came out, let's see, 2009. 2009, yep. This movie was nominated for Best Animated Feature and Best Original Score, and it lost both. How? What beat it? What? Uh, okay, yeah, I, I think it's got a contender, but I think you're gonna hate it. It lost is it a both. Pixar thing? It is a Pixar thing. Yeah, you got it. It's up. It lost both of these to Up. What do you think of that? Um, I love Up, but I, don't I do see too. It. I don't see. I it. think this is better though. This is yeah. Up I would is one of stake my claim in that. Up is one of Pixar's more complex and like emotionally driven movies. In all honesty, it is up there for Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Like if it was going to lose to a Pixar movie, I'm glad it was this one. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, but this is a better movie than this Up. This is a better movie than Up, <laughs> absolutely. But we that's, know the Academy just views uh, this as just a a children's. A, a children's medium. So yeah, maybe that know. plays a part in it. But so, so. this is a, a child's movie. But, you know, there's a lot of talk of death 
And if, like, mm-hmm. there's one scene where they're killing all the birds and they jump down. And he goes, wow, that was gory. There's a ton of blood and everything. And, but, like, we didn't see any of it and they just <laughs> run out. It was pretty great. Yeah. And I think that's where the uh, they substitute any curse words with the word cuss. And it's so funny. He goes, get the cuss back here. And you know what? Without subtitles, I'll be honest, I think I missed that joke completely. I would have missed it. I I think as a kid, because I haven't seen this in years. I don't know if I said that. It has Mm -hmm. been a very long time since I've seen this movie. And um, I guarantee I just thought it was either like a French word I didn't understand or you know what I mean? Because I'm pretty sure they're in France from what I've gathered. Uh, But I I think it takes place in French. Roald Dahl was a British author and it's an English book. I think it would have been English. The only thing is, is at the very end, they run into a fox and he starts speaking French to the fox. Like, oh, uh, parlez-vous français? Okay. Oh, well, I, I just watched a featurette on YouTube yeah. where Roald Dahl's widow uh, uh, says she was surprised at the casting of George Clooney and Meryl Streep because they're both American. Gonna... And, and she's, she goes, I was surprised because it's a very British book. Uh, but she, mm-hmm. she loved their portrayal so i, I kind of liked that the animals were all american but the humans were were british i guess they did have british accents so yeah it's probably yeah. in britain i don't know i just assumed french because that one <laughs> french line um but you know so we haven't finished the cast here but there's also bill murray as clive badger esquire now i think bill murray's been in a little bit of heat recently for just kind of being a, a dick mm-hmm. but i love bill murray i'm gonna lie <laughs> yeah i keep seeing like tiktoks of of other comedy adjacent people i think seth, yeah. i saw a clip of seth green going like yeah he was just a huge asshole to like other cast members or yeah i forget what snl cast member was talking about him but he was like he was just like kind of rude to younger ones i don't know there might have been problematic behavior with women i'm not oh exactly i sure. didn't hear any of that i've heard people comparing him to chevy chase though and oh, you know chevy chase yeah. is apparently like the they're worst from- there, yeah, I guess they're from the same era, era, yeah. generation of SNL. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Bill Murray replaced Chevy Chase on SNL, so it's kind oh, of funny. If, okay. yeah, yeah, so <laughs> that'd be um, funny if that's the case. And they're both famously in Caddyshack, so. Yeah. Uh, Remember when Bill Murray was, like, the thing? Like, yeah. it was, like, 2011, 2012. He was, was it, it, you it could, was, like. You could make yeah. a Tumblr personality around Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was like Chuck Norris jokes, and then yeah. it was like anecdotes about Bill Murray showing up at your wedding. And oh my god, having, that's right when he was time. just doing all these kooky things. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. You're so um, right. Yeah, but, but so yeah. Bill Murray, he's good in this role though, and he's in mm-hmm. a lot of Wes Anderson films too. So, what are your thoughts on this? I was I was thinking about this as I was running through when a director uses like for like a lot of actors in most of their movies over and over and over and over. I personally love it. When I think I love Wes it. Anderson does it, obviously you would make more money being cast in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I feel like it's more prestigious and more exclusive to be cast in the Wes Anderson Cinematic Universe. It's definitely more prestigious, but you, yeah. you, you know, you have the wrong timing here because Bill Murray is about to be in Ant Man Three. <laughs> oh shit! Damn, we lost um, him. Yeah. We lost him. There yeah. are a couple of other one over, overlaps. Willem Dafoe is the rat uh-huh. in this. Another frequent Wes Anderson player, uh, famously the Green Goblin. There's Edward Owen Norton. Edward, oh, Norton. Edward Norton was the Hulk. Was the Hulk? Is Owen Wilson? He's oh shit! He's in Loki. God he's damn. he's he's the number two character in Loki, and he killed it. <laughs> um, so yeah, but so I, I totally agree. Wow, I'm just now seeing that Brian Cox is actually in this movie. He is what? the the News Twelve broadcaster. <laughs> Are 
Are you shitting me? Yeah. Fuck off. What if Logan Roy was running around yelling, <laughs> cuss off? <laughs> oh my God. I missed that one completely. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Well, so I agree with you. It's got some some weight behind it because he can get large named actors for for these small roles. Hell, he got George Clooney and Meryl Streep who are not normal Wes Anderson players, mm-hmm. but he was like, "You guys are the star." And I'm not going to kid it. They actually stole the show for me though. Those there's probably three or four scenes where they are just looking at one another and they're going they're firing these lines off back and forth, and it's like it's like a verbal fight at times, but they're like like they're sparring almost because they're not fighting, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, it's so good. It's like marriage story. <laughs> Stop. Why would you say that? <laughs> no, it's like they're going. Like, no, it is, though. But in a, in a very clippy, like brisk Wes Anderson kind of way. But they're, you know, they're talking about they're having marital squabbles. It's great. Mm. It's really great. I'm going to jump around because this is like the climax, but he's like, yeah. he literally is, is feeling remorse for everything he's did. He's like, I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. He lists off all these things and she's like, it's all right, but I never should have married you. And I was like, oh, but they just move. They just move right past it. It's so good. It was yeah. really good for, for I, I, I try I'm not to say this you, on the podcast. Story, dude. Yeah, it comes all back. He was watching Meryl Streep and George Clooney. He's like, there's a movie here. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, maybe he was having those fights. Uh, maybe he was having those fights with his wife already. That's where it was inspired from. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so then, here's one that I thought was interesting. So one of the main characters, uh, um, so uh, Ash's cousin comes to stay with them, Christopherson, which he looks like he's gonna be just like a side character in the beginning, but he becomes like the main plot of the whole movie, mm-hmm. and um, he is voiced by Eric. Anderson, which is Wes mm-hmm. Anderson's brother. I did not put that together. Yeah. So uh, nepotism, whatever. We don't care. <laughs> he, I think he did a good job. I didn't. I didn't recognize his voice, and that's why I had to look it up. I was like, uh, I can almost recognize most of these other voices. He's also, according to Wikipedia, an author, illustrator, and oh, actor. That's mm-hmm. great. But um, it looks like most of his stuff is. All of his roles are Wes Anderson. Oh, Wes Anderson film, probably, yeah. Um, very typical. So so the stop motion of it adds a level that we have only discussed a little. Like, how much... I, I don't know. Do you know the process? Does it add a whole ton of time to making a movie like this? I, I imagine it would have to. I assume so, because you got to do little tweaks in between all the shots. and You can't have, you can't have these actors improv because you're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 his voice is only, like, his mouth is only moving this many times. Yeah. Or, or I got to go change it. Maybe they do. I no, don't know. I think they record all the dialogue first. First? Yeah. And then they animate to it. I guess also, we've never had this conversation. You think they record all the dialogue first? Yeah. Why? Because then you have something to animate to. But, but then... I guess I get what you're saying, but I almost feel like it's backwards. Like the voice actors need to see what's going on and the characters are doing. I don't for sure know the the order. I don't know for sure either, but this this movie behind the scenes, one thing that they did differently is they didn't do all of the voice acting in booths, everyone sort of in their own booth doing it. They went to like a farm or like a a cottage or a cabin, had one boom mic 
and did all the dialogue like with the actors reading at each other with each other. I can't tell if you're messing. What? Literally not. There's YouTube <laughs> clips of it. I will show it to you. It's like a behind the scenes feature. Uh, I saw it on TikTok. You see like George Clooney sitting at a dinner table and he goes, like nibbles on a piece of bread. Their eating was hilarious. Yeah, they have a boom mic. And so, so most of it they record with one boom mic going between the two the two actors or whoever it is. I'm not going to lie. That makes so much sense because like I'm saying these scenes between George Clooney and Meryl Streep that okay, that makes sense. Like I don't know how to put my finger on it, but that just having watched those scenes, that makes a lot of sense that they're face to face, that they're really feeling what each other is saying. Unlike a lot of uh, animation where, yeah, they're in the booth. You do it separately. Yeah. Maybe you do the line a bunch of different times. You're saying they almost acted out these scenes in real life and then they... Yes. they uh, There's literally wow. a clip of George Clooney wow. like rolling in the grass and then, you know, they do the little... They'll like walk in place or the motorcycle scene. They were sitting on like a little ATV thing. That's amazing. I, I, it's a I lot of work. I send you the clip. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. You're not a you're not no, a jokester it's, it's like I am. <laughs> so, wow. I, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around. This should have won. This should have won best. Won. This should have won best animated yeah. picture. This should have won best film for that year. Yeah. I'm not kidding. This is like this. Upon rewatch, like I said, it has been so long. I think I texted Evan maybe like eight minutes into the film. I said, wait, is this movie awesome? And he said, yes. And I I was just so blown away, like I said, by the story, how it, it never dragged. It always kept mm-hmm. moving, but it was always so relevant to like the, the – the, so there's – you know, there's the plot and then there's like character development. And the two just went so beautifully hand in hand that mm-hmm. – for what an, an hour and a half film, I really feel like I know almost everyone in this film so well. Like their motivations, what makes them tick, their insecurities. Ugh, just and there is a huge like there is a huge cast, but the yeah. main through line is sort of uh, Mr. Fox's family. Um, before we get too much further, I do want to give a quick shout out to my neighbor Ryan, who came up to me one day as like, "Hey, I was listening to the pod and I was super embarrassed." And he's like, uh, "If you guys ever take recommendations, you should you should talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox. Me and my kids mm. love it." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that, I love Wes Anderson. That's right up our alley." Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion. Uh, sorry, it took uh, a little bit for us to get around to Ryan. it, but thank you. This is. One of my favorite movies this, we've watched this year. This is why we do this podcast. We want to bring mm-hmm. light. Like, uh, this is not new. This is not revolutionary. But I imagine a lot of people like me and Evan were a lot younger when they watched this movie and maybe didn't get to appreciate it for what it, like, fully, fully is. You can you could show your kids this movie. They'll oh, love absolutely. it. It's a kid's but movie. But as an adult, you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, tragic. Yeah. Sorry. It just hits, it hits it, different at 30. God damn. It is. It really God does. Damn. And um, that's the sign of a, like a, a fantastic film. Yeah. So um, a quote unquote fantastic film. Thank you, Ryan. And of course, we take suggestions. We do have a long list of things that we're trying to hit. And we do hit, try to hit things timely sometimes. But we love suggestions. If you have anything that you want us to talk about, let us let us cuss mm-hmm. and know. So <laughs> um, um, you, were, you were talking about... Uh, up and, and how this should have won but like i i do feel like there's such an element of craft that goes into yes. stop motion animation and you can really feel the artistry come through it not 
to say that there is an artistry involved in what Pixar does. Obviously, they're like renowned mm-hmm. for what they do, but God, yeah. I just love seeing Pixar like couldn't can keep their schedule if they were doing th- this type of film work. You yeah. know what I mean? They they had to individually plant the little fucking furs into custom furs. I'm sorry, into the puppets. And like, there's one small detail that I, I saw in one of the the feature ads I was watching is like. Uh, between so there's the beginning five minutes or whatever and they jump 12 fox years and obviously mr fox is aged and so they like added some gray hairs to his i was like god that's such a tiny detail that i don't know that i even noticed but i super super appreciate that i noticed he looked aged you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i don't think i noticed gray hairs but i noticed he looked 12 fox years aged (laughs) so i think what you're also getting at is with wes anderson we're so used to, I don't want to say used to, because his style is somehow still always like fresh and and feels good, not recycled. But, you know, he has, and I don't even know what to call it, but he's always got like the completely flat shot. The symmetrical. The symmetrical. His, his things are always center, if you will. Now, this mm-hmm. one breaks away from that at times just due to the fact of probably, you know, it's animation and, and whatnot. And, but it, I don't know how to say this, too translate his real life film style into stop animation Mm -hmm. is just like remarkable to me. Like that is artistry. Like we're talking about, like he, it'd be like, this is not a great example, but it'd be like a famous painter being like, Oh, now I'm going to do a sculpture. And it's like in the same style as they always paint. So he's obviously very well known for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Recently I watched, I think his first feature film, which is called Bottle Rocket, it was oh came out in nineteen ninety six, stars the Wilson brothers, <laughs> Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson, and it's up there for me as one of my favorite uh, uh, Wes Anderson movies. But I, I I really enjoy it because it's sort of before he has that signature style, so it's not all symmetrical, it's not so all flat. It. Yeah, but but the dialogue and sort of the story elements, it's all there. Something you just it. said is his visually. His like shots are very interesting, but the flat aspect, I've noticed this. The well, I guess all his shots are flat, but like the more flat it looks, the more fucking like deep it's about to get story wise. Like it's like a, a contrast. I always say mm-hmm. this with Rick and Morty. Part of what makes it so great is it'll skew the two ends of the spectrum, like a fart joke and then like something really dark and sinister. And yeah. so this for me, like it's like such a contrast of visually, it's like you know they're in a, a tree or whatever. But like, I I don't know how to describe. Like the conversations have such weight. Like Ash, these conversations mm-hmm. of wow, it's a lot more about identity and who you are. Maybe I missed the the central theme. I came out of it like yeah. I get the theme this time. One of Ash's lines, he goes, "Do you guys think I'm an athlete?" He says it, and he says, that perfectly illustrates the whole his whole conflict is like he just wants his dad's approval he's it is one of his first compared to uh uh, his cousin christopherson and it's just a couple words he goes do you guys think i'm an athlete and he's trying so hard throughout the movie and because he's shorter Mm -hmm. than the other foxes i think maybe they keep calling him different and there's so many great so his mom has the beautiful line, Meryl Streep, uh, Felicity. She was like, it's okay. You are a little different, but everyone is. And that's what makes life so fantastic. Right? I'm butchering the exact line, but it was so beautiful. And the way she delivered it, it was so good. Like her, uh, like the father and the son were both in awe as she like walked away. And I was like, yeah, oh, that is yeah. so 
good and deep. And then the other one, there's just all these, like he finally comes to accept that he is a bit different. They do Mm -hmm. the toast at the very end in the grocery store and they're all holding up apple juice boxes, except for Ash who is holding up a grape juice box. (laughs) Yeah. Which is just like, he's different. It's great. He finally comes to accept it. But yeah, the whole movie he's, so it is one of his first lines. He goes like, do you guys think I'm an athlete? And they're like, what? Come on, like get to school or something. And he's at school and they're playing the most complicated sport in all of, more complicated than Quidditch, which yep. I didn't think was possible. Um, yep. And he's he gets pulled out and he goes, I don't know why, the, sport, the sports humor was so funny to me. He's yeah, like, come on, let me just finish this eighth. Instead of like half or quarter. They like like score and someone yells in the background, can you divide that by nine? (laughs) (laughs) They have to yell hot box when you score two. It's great. Um, Real quick. So I even jotted, I forgot, I jotted down the the line that follows the, do you guys think I'm an athlete? Mm -hmm. And Mr. Fox goes, what's the context here? (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. But see, it's so quick. That yeah. you'll you'll miss these things unless you are like fully engaged and paying attention. That is so. F- he goes, just, mm, "What's the context here?" Ever the, the politician, he's like, "What's the context here?" Doesn't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah. Oh my god, that is so funny. There's so many of those laugh out loud moments, and a lot of them are with Ash. So uh, he's got his lab partner, and she's very clearly into Christopherson, and he's like, "You're my lab partner." She's like, "We still are." He goes. Yeah, but you're not very loyal. It's like <laughs> it's it's those feelings as a kid. You're just like, oh, yeah. you're my lab partner. How could you have a crush on my cousin? Like that sentence as an adult doesn't make any sense, but as a mm-hmm. kid, it makes perfect sense. I'm sure there's a million lines we're missing, but like, it's oh, the, so, oh, there really so is. I, quick, I at so one point hard. tried to start. I tried to start writing them all down, and I, I really yeah. failed. It was like so. Oh, I, it's it's how the movie starts. You you talk about this ego in the movie. Wow, you really I think you nailed this movie. Did you watch it twice? I think I bet you watched it twice. Um okay, so No, it's all it's that newfound 30-year-old wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't wished you a happy birthday on the podcast. Evan turned 30. I appreciate we're uh, that. we're officially like way too old to be talking about cartoons, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um yeah, happy belated birthday. I I wished a a real happy birthday he did. too. He did. So, um you talk about you talk about this ego from the very jump. I didn't even think about this. Mr. Fox is the his wife comes back and she was sick. She was at the doctor and she's like, "Oh, he she gave me some pills." He's like, "Great, let's go home. Do you want to take the uh, the quick route or the scenic route?" She goes, "Let's take the quick route." He goes, "Ah, oh, come on, let's take the scenic route." He just completely ignores what she said, and then he goes, and this is the line that killed me. It's it, it, right after he goes, "Do you want to take the quick route or the scenic route?" She goes, "Let's take the quick route." He goes, well, "We're going to take the scenic route. It's more beautiful that way." And then he goes, "It's quicker, anyways." I found out. What? How is it quicker than the quick route? And so <laughs> this is obviously what it started. They go on a little misadventure, and then he literally says, like. Oh, do you want to maybe just steal this bird or just head home? And she's like, let's just head home. He's like, ah, one bird wouldn't hurt. He just like completely, or he asks the question, he but then completely yeah. no, ignores whatever she, she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I, like I said, it was just the speed and like the, the, the delivery of all these lines that it, it makes sense. These people were in person doing this together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's not maybe as fun for our listeners but like just recounting some of the dialogue makes me want to go back and watch it without having to take notes or anything yeah 
There's just so much that I missed. Um, there is. It's so. It's really good. Oh, this is what I want to say. I can't believe I, I wrote this down. I'm looking at my notes now. Every piece of dialogue is so intentional. There's no yeah. fluff in this film. Everything yeah. really is either letting you know about a character, a relationship dynamic, or it's moving the plot along. Sometimes it's doing all three. It's just, it's really, really strong writing that like mm -hmm. of things, as we've been reviewing things, you get to see what is like sloppy writing where, uh, I, and it's not always, you can tell if it's sloppy or writing or not. Cause sometimes it's an actor, maybe misdelivering a line, but you become more intentional of, okay, what is this piece of dialogue for? What's the intention of this? Is it humor? Is it character? Is it plot? So there, you'll be surprised if you start looking at the lens of those things. There's some things that have a lot of lines where you're like, that's not contributing anything right now. You're like, mm -hmm. what is this action? And so this one, I really noticed everything was so intentional and like really well done. But there's a lot of dialogue, too, because it's really fast. It comes at mm -hmm. you quick. And so it's just really impressive. It'd be like, you know, it's the opposite of what I was able to do in high school with my essays, where I'm writing a ton of words that aren't saying a lot. It, this, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're doing even more words on their essay than I was and still getting mm -hmm. in more info. So it's, it's, it's impressive. That was one thing I did pick up on. Um, it is it, just like, yeah, the script efficiency, yeah. uh, they don't bother over explaining exposition mm -hmm. early in the movie. He's meeting with like his lawyer or like a, some, when he's trying to buy the tree or the, he's trying to get a loan, right? Something yeah. like that. And they just like cut right into they're talking the terms of the deal or whatever. Yeah. And they don't like slow down to say like, oh, if I don't get this loan, you know, I can't do this. Like, and it's a, it's a kids movie. And it's just like kids are like people Kid, who people are, are watch smart this are smart enough and they I, context I clues are amazing. I, community yeah. is really good at this too because I've been rewatching Community. Is they will throw a piece of dialogue that is like referencing something that we missed off screen or or whatever to give you all of that so you're right we didn't see a scene of him being like i gotta go to the bank we really need this loan or i'll never get this house it was mm -hmm. one line of him being like frustrated and he's like buy the house whatever it takes and, and you understand what's yeah. going on in that yep. scene and so yeah. another thing you were saying and, and this is this is the directing hat i believe is there's the the scene so at the end where they pull off the grand heist where they're you know they're digging them out it, everything's gone to hell and he's like they come in with all the goods from all three farms and they're like we took everything cut to the three old farmers and they're like they took everything and I'm like that is such a good scene contrast dialogue and it hits humor wise and I go mm -hmm. someone who's like a novice writer is not going to be able to use like an editing trick as humor do you get what i'm saying like yeah it's so good in my opinion everything in this movie was so strong yeah and uh, there are a lot of visual gags in this yeah. movie too and and uh, you could probably say that about a lot of wes anderson movies i think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that maybe are, are not as explicitly uh Talked praised all the time yeah. but there were a couple of things that stood out to me in this movie one is uh when one of their first um heists there's security camera footage where there's like five security screens and you watch them do the heist through the different screens mm -hmm. and it was just beautifully constructed. Yeah. And there's this other visual gag towards the end of the movie um, when they're going into the, the big fortress with the walls and there's that like parking 
arm or whatever. Yeah. And then their little motorcycle just goes right, <laughs> just goes under. right under it. Yeah. There's small it's moments so like that that are so good. There's another one I really liked where um, it's the very end. They come out of the sewer grate. You know, they're throwing the, the fire uh, pine cones everywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, they run and they like see this motorcycle with a sidecar and they like run around it. And they like take off in a tinier one that was behind the <laughs> And it's like you think they're about to get on this. And there's so many visual gags because when you're looking at them too and they're all animals, they look normal size. Like actually, mm-hmm. Mr. Fox looks very tall, actually. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you put humans in the frame or they go to like the supermarket or their kitchen, they're tiny. And you're like, oh, yeah, wait, they're just foxes. It's so good. It's really good visually because it really distorts your like, you're like, whoa, this kitchen is giant. And you're like, no, 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 no. The foxes are tiny. I forgot. Foxes are not human size. This is a random thought, but that last shot in the movie, they're zooming out of uh, the the grocery store while they're mm-hmm. uh, while they're dancing, dancing. And part of me was like, how do you do that with stop motion? Because, like, you have this smooth crane shot that slowly zooms out. But then also, like, each little dance, yeah. they have to, like, pause the thing. Do you, are you, like, pausing every moment scenes. back? No, because it's so smooth, though. Yeah, You're right. I That's know. some – it's got to be editing, I, I imagine, right? Yeah. Like, really know. impressive editing work, though. That's crazy. I didn't that. even think about that, like a cr- moving crane work. The the mm-hmm. technical aspects, all the work that probably went into this film to lose up. Those people yeah. probably – I bet you there's people that cried probably. that worked on this film that were like, mm-hmm. three years of my life. Um, it wasn't just an honor to be nominated. Yeah. Uh, one of the things with the French Dispatch, I had seen some discourse on Twitter. I don't know how big of a conversation it was, but I don't think that got any nods really, but – for its production design specifically, they were specifically referencing this person on Twitter. Uh, the shot where, where um, what's his name? Uh, Jim Gordon. Um, I'm <laughs> Gary Oldman. This. No, not Gary Oldman. The new one. The new Jim Gordon. J.K. Simmons? No, in the Batman. Whatever. Oh. He's in French Dispatch. Yeah. Uh, he's but where the he walks a- through the whole police Andy station. Circus. No, in the, Jim Gordon. Andy Serkis is Alfred. Oh, Bernard in Westworld. Yes. Now I can't think of his name He's either. <laughs> I just listed every Jim Gordon and I'm not going to be able Fuck. to list the most recent one. What but is, what is he in in this? He's in French Dispatch. He's not in this movie. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm saying people were upset, at least on Twitter. They were um, uh, shocker. But as he's walking through the police station, he goes through like, a whole maze of rooms and it's one continuous shot and he's doing this monologue and there's like a lot of production and like craft that I, I think should have gotten at least a nod. I got you. Anyways, no, no, that that's too fair. long of a, it's fair. a tangent. But what is that's it? fair. The Academy is flawed. We've never, we've never argued otherwise. Um, yeah. So with this movie though, I, I really think it is important that if you like, I guess I already hit on this, but like the, the technical work that went into this, the, the Wes Anderson like had to map out so many different things in his mind, story characters like this, and then also have to worry about the little hairs on the Fox and, and whatnot. Like it's crazy to think about like, if you are working on a group project, this is like 12, 13, 14, 15 different group projects that he's managing all mm-hmm. at once. And so 
I am not going to lie. Like I said, after French Dispatch, I had maybe forgotten how much I love Wes Anderson. This movie is in contention for my favorite Wes Anderson movie with Moonrise Kingdom. I, I, yeah. And I praise Moonrise. I, I recommend that movie to every person who's like, oh, I need a new movie. What should I watch? Have you seen this? No. Boom. Yeah. You should. Um, totally agree. Love Wes Anderson. Love his aesthetic. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I should rewatch French Dispatch. That's kind of my problem. I should probably rewatch it. Um, but he also has Grand Budapest Hotel. We didn't even, we haven't even uh, said anything about that. And Wes Anderson has such an eclectic catalog that is so stylized. Yes. It's really funny that we talk about him and Tim Burton at, at similar times because he's another one. You can look at a film of his and be like, is this a Wes Anderson film? If you don't know. And mm-hmm. so I think that takes extreme talent. It takes years to have such like a stylized, to have like a a, a trademark on that stylized of a, mm-hmm. of a film. But I feel like, how do I want to say this? So while The Corpse Bride maybe lacked because it was trying to fit that stylization so much, I feel like Wes Anderson uses it to like elevate the story. Does I, yeah. does that make sense? Like it's yeah. not like he is uh he's never detracting from a moment to be like, "Oh, look at this quirky shot I've got." It's all very intentional. Like the shot of the wolf at the end, like mm-hmm. when they're just staring back at the wolf. We haven't even talked about that. That he's got a phobia of wolves, which any good fox should have. Uh-huh. But they run into one at the very end of their heist, like after they've they've rescued Christofferson and they're they're on their way out. And what did you what did you think of this scene where they're where they're uh, yelling at the wolf? Or what did you think? I I guess I haven't really thought or, or processed it yet. I think it is. It's obviously him sort of conquering a fear and a phobia of his, but it's also like his acknowledgement of where he is in life. Like maybe he was intimidated by this thought of settling down and mm. not being the fantastic Mr. Fox. And yes. now he's sort of come to accept it. And uh, uh, as a reflection of that, the wolf accepts him and gives him like the. Yeah, that was okay, that fist. was a little odd, but that's fine. <laughs> so they, um, it was symbolic, though. It was really great. And you literally nailed what I was going to say. So he literally he was like, I have a phobia of wolves. But then at the end of the thing, he goes. What a beautiful creature. And it was him coming to that realization. His fear was he always wanted to dazzle everyone he met. He wanted to be the fantastic Mr. Fox to everyone. Mm -hmm. And he conquered like, you know, I am the fantastic Mr. Fox to my family. They're who matters. Like, I don't, what do I need to prove to the rest of these people? Mm -hmm. What a nice wrap up. It was, that's, it was such a great wrap up. And it was so weird because the wolf scene, I was like, where's this going? But then as soon as he said, what a beautiful creature. It just, it all clicked for me. I was like, oh, I was like, he conquered a fear. And I go, oh, he conquered his fear of wolves and of not being uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox. He always, the quote unquote, fantastic Mr. Fox he always dreamed of. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really good. We were talking about his aesthetic and and I think you're right. It, It always does elevate it. It's never like exclusively for the purpose of just being an aesthetic. Sometimes it lays out a visual gag. Sometimes it's just like storytelling efficiency, the way he like, I don't know. I love everything about it. What I've taken is when it's two people that are talking to each other or like the wolf scene, 
is like the background is so important to how you're supposed to be like feeling about this conversation. And it's just so, so, such small, subtle things that I wouldn't be able to be like, oh, and if you look here, you, well, I guess like the wolf is an interesting example is the wolf has like a wintry background, whereas they're not in winter yet. And he has the line of like, you think it's going to be a rough winter? And he goes, I don't think he knows. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it, but like the wintry background is, you know, the winter is like the sign of change. Mm -hmm. If you're talking tarot cards, it's the death card. And so it is that sign. of tarot? <laughs> I like a little tarot here and there. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I, I, I didn't no. mean to drop that on you randomly. No, it's a surprise. It's a delightful surprise. Not many people know that about me, actually. So let's do. The, we got to do a tarot reading on the, on the box. <laughs> I don't have any tarot cards. I, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Now I'm really outing <laughs> myself. So <laughs> um, the um, the death card, it, it symbolizes. People think the death card's like scary, but no, it's like it, it's a sign of of that rebirth, that change that's coming. I think that wintry background was really symbolic of him conquering those fears, that sign of change to come. So it's just small, small things like that that just really enhance this movie. Yeah, we can hit it with the closing thoughts. I'm like yeah. out of breath. The uh, movie, ready for this? The movie made my heart flutter at times. It made my heart speed wow. up. Yeah. And then I'm not I, I'm not kidding. There's some, really something with these scenes because I keep coming back to them. But where uh, where uh, George Clooney and Meryl Streep's characters are just talking back and forth to each other, they're somber. They're like melancholy. You, but you see it in these foxes' faces, which is mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, they get like real close up to these puppets too. Yes. Like you get straight up just his face. Sometimes just their eyebrows moving. Yes, super it's... expressive puppets. She slaps him. He, she goes, mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my temper. He's like, when? She's like, I don't know, but I'm going to lose it. He's like, well, okay, but when? And then she slaps him. Oh, my God. Now I, I'm just realizing this now. It's that ego of him. He's so used to calling the shots back to the beginning when he was like, what do you want to do, this or that? And he's like, she's like, option B. And he's like, we're going to do option A. He's like, he's trying to control when she, he's like, well, that's fine. You can be angry, but you just need to tell me when so I can expect it. And she doesn't. She like catches him off guard and she slaps him and it leaves a scar. Oh my, and the scar. Damn, dude, this movie's so fucking, so cussing good. I can't even. Okay, the scar is the physical impact of the hurt that he places on his family because of his greed, because of his ego. And it really takes her physically lashing out to him for him to be like, oh, wake up. I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. It's good. It's really yeah. good. Honestly, it's a really human story about foxes. That's what's mm -hmm. so amazing is it tells so many human emotions. This is a this is a better Zootopia. I said it. They need to make it Disney Plus needs to make a six part series about this. I've never seen Zootopia, but um, Zootopia's I good. So. I, I'm ragging okay. on it. It's just not like I feel like there's some people who like love Zootopia and I'm like, you should like Zootopia. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this movie is great. Uh, before we wrap up, let's do some letterboxed reviews. Yes. I don't know if you yes, yes, yes. found any. Uh, I have them up. Let me pull up the app here again. You can cut the first this one I got is yeah. Four and a half stars is first in a row. How does Steven Soderbergh sleep at night knowing the best movie in the Oceans trilogy is a stop-motion puppet animation directed by Wes Anderson? I forget that George Clooney was doing those movies around this that's time. That's right. Very true. He, well, that's why... It, it, that's part of, like, 
I don't know if Wes Anderson was like, hey, this is a heist movie. Like, you are the heist guy. Like, it didn't take, it was about halfway through the movie where I literally was like, oh, George Clooney is the heist guy. How do I not remember that? But also, so I was watching one of their production, the whatever, behind the scenes thing, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about the cast. And and when they were looking for the two lead roles, they're like, who is the modern day Cary Grant, who's like the classic Mm. Hollywood stud? And and they all came to George Clooney, which he absolutely is. And I feel like he kind of slowed down after this period, and he's been under the radar or... Sure. Doing I mean, he other stuff. Who knows? He can do whatever he wants at this. He's point. got like you a rom-com I mean? out right now, but yeah. that's his first thing in a while. I, I'm think he like did the Casamigos tequila thing. Is he the blueprint for Ryan Reynolds? Oh, interesting. Because now he's got his whole gin. Yeah. Or I think is he's he one the of, John H. Benjamin blueprint. Now that he's got his uh, own yeah, line true. of whiskey. <laughs> Um, I went to the optometrist the other day, uh, and my optometrist sounds just like him. He's got like John H. Ben or H. John Benjamin. He's got that nasally <laughs> looking into this dude's eyes. I was like, "You sound so much like Bob's Burgers." Oh my god! Okay, so I, I I have my first letterbox review, and it also reminded me of one of the best moments in the whole film we didn't talk about. So, oh my god! Okay, four stars. Which you know, I, I was gonna actually only read five star films, but so four stars. <laughs> Everyone is like, oh, Ash is totally me. Okay, I'm the evil rat voiced by Willem Dafoe who ends up dead in the sewer. And I can't believe we forgot to talk about the the end scene where the rat is dying. And they're like, what's what What did you – he gives them all the information as to where uh, Christofferson is. And mm-hmm. so they're like, what, what's something you – what did you always want in life? And he's like, I wanted to try the cider. And so they give him – because it floods, they give him a little bit of the cider and it was his last wish, and he died. And then uh, Ash, the son, goes, he redeemed himself. And then the dad goes, redemption? Yeah, but he's just another dead rat behind a Chinese food restaurant. And then they lower him into the sewer, and he just drifts off. And I was like, I was like, whoa. (laughs) I was like, damn. You know, to me, it's like almost like the Game of Thrones, like the god of death comes for us all. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, he redeemed himself, but he's just another dead rat. It, It it's chilling yeah. uh, saying it's it again just gave me goosebumps it's what yeah. it's nihilistic in a way it's oh like, it is it really is it, it makes me think like small. it doesn't matter what we do here we're mm-hmm. all just dead rats in uh the dumpster behind a chinese food restaurant Ooh, in a kid's movie maybe that's why the academy was like this is not a kid's movie <laughs> um four and a half stars this this one is Similar vein as the first one I read. Even in animation, George Clooney won't stop assembling teams of specifically skilled, diverse groups of elaborate heists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, love it. All right. Um, so this is a good one. It is um, five stars, but it says this movie isn't without its flaws, which I think I could argue. But it says this movie is not without its flaws, but it goes the extra mile and every single way that I can overlook the bad Wes Anderson-y dialogue, which I don't think is bad, moments, for the outpour of charm and love and care in every single shot and every scene. It's such a short part, but the danger of death fight is a terrific use of stop-motion specific style, and the final sequence is one of the happiest, most wonderful scenes I can remember. This movie makes me feel so good. I disagree with 
the first couple sentences of that about there being anything bad about this movie. Like, what yeah. was? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, they said the know. Wes Anderson-y dialogue, but they gave it five stars still. So okay. I think this really hit, like you said, like what we were saying is. Uh, Wes Anderson uses his style to enhance scenes. He uses stop animation to enhance the scenes. Like they were saying that fight between the rat and, and, uh, and uh, Mr. Fox here, it was so good with the electricity and like the, the lights going in and out. That was, this is art. This is art at its highest form. And the fact that the Academy couldn't see that I'm rioting. Just kidding. Yeah. All right. Five stars. This maybe kind of speaks to a little bit of what we're talking about. First quote from the movie, what's the sub subtext here? Uh, this person writes, Realized with this rewatch that a key part of the Anderson aesthetic is the way his characters speak candidly without yes. any subtext at all. We refer yes. to the style as deadpan, but it occurs to me that the performances are just as stripped down as the language itself. There's little for the actors to play because the characters are almost always speaking their minds. This comes off as comic and absurd, but it's also honest, which keeps the films moored in a physical and emotional reality it goes on for more but that's so that true so true such a great way they are it. yeah do you guys think i'm an athlete what's the context here no it, it's right out of the gate they speak it's not deadpan it, there's no subtext but it's yes. really beautiful and it's charming in a way whereas it is because if humans if we all talked like that to each other it, we would be very off put you know what i mean there's something very charming about the way he does it okay so this one is five stars. Only Wes Anderson would construct a miniature electric train set on a slightly larger stop motion animation set. <laughs> it's well, so... That was towards the end, right? The train goes well, by? There's Well, there's a few trains. Ooh, okay. I wonder if that's... Oh, you know trains are symbolic. Let, let's, so there's the scene in the beginning where Christofferson is like, hey, do you think you could move your model train? Like, it's kind of hard sleeping under it. And so then he goes, he's like, you're really being a jag right now, man. Like, he's like, do you just want my bed? Like, I don't understand. Like, we give you, what do you need? And so he's like, no, it's fine. And he goes under and he's asleep and he's crying there. And then Ash comes down and he starts the train and they just watch it together. And it's really nice because then as it cuts from that to like a scene of their new home and the things, and there's a real train crossing. And there, there's trains at the end. There's trains throughout this film. And I wonder, I, I don't know any symbolisms relating to trains, but I bet you that I bet you we're missing a big red flag staring us in the face. So what would you rate it? What would you give this on Letterboxd? Mm -hmm. I, I would give this a five. I'm, I'm not kidding. I think that this film, like when you when we're talking of what we want out of an animated film, this I think this hits every single box. I, I I don't see anything to give it besides a five. I would what agree with that. Yeah, is this our first five of of the pod? Yeah, it is, and and it really caught me off guard. I, I uh -huh. really expected. I remember liking this movie as a kid. I was like, oh yeah, what a great film. But I, I haven't seen it throughout the years, so it just mm -hmm. kind of got lost in translation. And so I, upon rewatching it, I literally was like, this is everything I want out of an animated film. I was so 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 enjoyed my ride throughout the whole thing not saying there are things we cover where um uh you know i, I don't enjoy them but this was just on such another level this was this was art yeah i would also give it a five and i think it just comes through in the way we're talking about it we really didn't talk really any plot at all which i, I think is maybe a good indicator sometimes we talk heavily about the plot because yeah. we don't have much more to say about the thing that we're covering. True. But this is one of those experiences where you watch the movie and it's just such a delightful experience. Yeah. It's so joyous, perfect 
film to me. I'm so glad we revisited this. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. We should wrap up with some news before we uh, get going here. But if you've made it through this podcast being like, oh, I watched that like 10 years ago. Like, what a great movie. Go watch it again. Go, go rewatch it right now. You're you're going to just fall in love with it. it it's really good. Let's get also to the great news. for this time of year. It's it like a cozy a- fall movie. You're so lots right. of feasts, lots of food happening. Toasts. There's Throwing lots of feasts, lots of toasts. Yeah, lots of toasts. Um, okay, let's do... Uh, oh, actually, before we get into news, yep. we touched briefly on a couple of other Wes Anderson movies. Are there any other ones you'd recommend? Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which I said Moonrise a bunch of times. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, there's another one that I'm forgetting. Oh, my God. I love it so much. What about you? What do you recommend? Uh, Royal Tenenbaums, I think. Oh is, yes, is thank you. I knew. Classic. I was thinking Ben Stiller. Yes, Ben Stiller. Which one? Oh yeah, it is Royal. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, Royal Tenenbaums. No, I was like, don't make me feel crazy. Yeah, I think I need to rewatch Life Aquatic. That oh that stars, yeah, the, the Steve uh, Zuko or whatever. Uh, yeah, Steve Zisso. Zisso. You're right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Man, all of them are pretty much bangers. Darjeeling He's... Limited. I don't remember if I particularly loved it it was a fine movie I think. yeah it's good uh, it's good um yeah those are my recommendations if, if you want to check out more all right now we, we've teased it so many times news you got one I, I got one out of the gate if you're not ready go for it all right sad news the creator of sonic the hedgehog was arrested <laughs> 57 year old game designer yuji naka uh was uh arrested for insider trading do you know what that means? I, I I only read a little bit of the article, but I'm pretty sure that means he was like, hey, guys, Sonic is about to have a banging game that drops. Buy stock mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's um... He knew. He knew the game was going to be so great that they just dropped. He was like, Sonic, Sonic stock about to go through the roof. Well, you... I haven't played it, but I've heard amazing things about the game. <laughs> This is this the open world one that's like coming to Switch? Yeah, it's an open world Sonic game. It's really fresh, but old mechanics brings back a lot of throwbacks. But it's uh, but it's new. So I wonder if he was doing giving insider tips because there is a new Netflix uh, series Sonic Prime coming out. It looks to be like mm. they're cashing. You know, in what? On I'm the reading multiverse. the article a little more, and it's actually in his. It's it's related to his new installment called Dragon Quest, which I don't know anything uh... about. So he was like, I got a a project on the works. A video game franchise that maybe Akira Toriyama was involved in or did some of the initial artwork for of Dragon Ball. Right? Let me double check that. Also, I looked it up earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey Wright was the actor's name. We we could not think. Oh, thank you. That was driving me nuts. Okay, so. Love Jeffrey Wright. We were uh, talking a little bit about our boy Owen Wilson. He is going to be playing. uh, What is the guy's name? Who does the paintings of the happy little trees? Bob Ross. Bob yeah. Ross. Is it a Bob Ross biopic, or is it? Because I, I don't think the character's name was Bob. I think they named. It oh, maybe else, he's he just playing a parody like... of Bob Ross. Okay, sorry, yeah. I, I, I only briefly looked at it. He's but, playing uh, Carl Nagel. Oh well, that's not Bob Ross. So maybe I'm mistaken. Looks, I think it's a parody of the character. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, first trailer for the new Pixar movie Elemental is out. It's, it's uh, it looks to be a city of little clouds and little embers and little raindrops. Classic a ro- Pixar a romance Pixar movie. It's gonna be emotional. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we posted about this 
but I think we should talk about it. Yeah. Uh, on November 10th, Kevin Conroy, the voice actor who played Batman mm-hmm. from the 90s through the present day through various properties, uh, tragically passed away. I don't know. That one like hit me hard and got did. me kind of emotional so, just because we talked about him a wise, lot. Yeah. Me and Evan, yeah, we just did our Batman podcast back in March. We mm-hmm. were considering getting a Kevin Conroy cameo. We we like to heavily talked about it, but you know there was we were gonna do a bit where we made it sound like we were interviewing him, and so we were gonna edit his cameo to do this, and it was just kind of a, a bit gray area to explain to him like, hey, can we get a cameo? But it's for a bit for our podcast, and like so we ultimately decided against it because it was a little expensive as well, but um. Yeah, if I'm being honest, we really should have just gone for it. We should have just said cuss it and done yeah. it. Like, I, I really regret that now. And it's not yeah. many examples of, like, regret in real time. But to think of how fun and enjoyable that would have been, yeah, we should have done it. And that's fine. Uh, I know. But, I don't know. It, it, it seems huge. And you can see a huge outpouring of love People coming from fans. At the Batman think, statue. Yeah he like really loved portraying the character. Like you'll see clips of him doing, you know, the reading at different like panels and stuff and mm-hmm. just such a genuine care for the character. Um, DC in remembrance, he had done that short story for them in their pride anthology that came out in June, but they did put it out for free online. So you can read that. I don't know, kind of a, a, a somber story, yeah. but wanted to, to pay, tribute to him because such a huge influence the dc animated universe on on my love for cartoons yeah Yeah, for both of us andrew cho said it best he is the batman for a whole generation Mm -hmm. um in other sort of cyber news uh the new black panther came out which we'll be talking about coming up soon and maybe on a lighter note awesome movie um but kevin smith have you seen this on twitter kevin smith posted a picture the the clerks guy Mm mm-hmm Posted a picture of him in the theaters, and he like he's like crying in the theaters, but he's kind of getting roasted for it because he looks absolutely <laughs> insane. You did send me the tweet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't Sorry, mean to laugh. Was, uh, yeah, it is a tear worthy moment. It's a good movie. Yes. Um, but I'll be honest, and and maybe this is showing that I'm not sympathetic. But anytime someone posts a video or a photo of themselves crying something is lost for me because when I'm in a real yep. bout of crying, the absolute last thing I want to do is have anyone see that. You know what mm. I mean? So there is something always lost. And I'm not saying there aren't videos and, and photos of people who are, are legitimately feeling things, but that is, uh, that's just always part of my feeling on it. Whenever I see a video of someone crying, I just can't help but think, yeah. I, I, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the spectrum of, um, of like, I'm not saying this is what Kevin Smith is doing on the spectrum of like influencer engagement bait. I think this is probably some of the more earnest, uh, mm. uh, sentimental sort, but the opposite end of that is, you know, that TikToker soups or little kid Dude. with Does who wears this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know soups but followed the, and unfollowed him quickly, yes, <laughs> quickly. But when black Adam came out, when, you know, during the Henry Cavill tag at the end or whatever. Yeah. He's in theaters. He recorded his reaction, has someone a couple rows down from him filming upwards at him. When Henry Cavill comes out, he stands up from his seat and goes, yeah. And I'm watching this clip like, you, 
You cussing? He knew, he knew that he was being recorded. Douche canoe. Yeah. No, he's put someone there to record yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that How disruptive to every other theater goer. Uh, yeah. No, man. I would have words with that, that guy. Well, uh, I got a lot of problems with that guy. Someone one time said, that guy doesn't like movies. He likes uh, PowerPoint presentations with cameos. And I was like, that's really yes, funny. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I'll never forget that. I go, he likes PowerPoints. I, that's so funny. Um, I uh, Yeah, I think that's about it for news. you have anything else that's uh, uh, greatly pressing? Uh, no. Um, no. No, no, no. I think oh, we're yeah, good. Um, oh, there was the Studio Ghibli, um, Grogu, Lucasfilm, short film. Yeah. You, I don't know. You could call it a film. You could just call it a short. Okay. This is bonus portion of the episode. This is yeah. our review of that. Re- <laughs> People didn't know what they were signing up for. They're also getting that a review. Was, that was so much hype. I so mean, much hype for so little Re- review done. <laughs> it was yep. so, it was very short and nothing happened. It, it was literally just a, a series of drawings that were animated. If I'm being honest, yeah. Um, Wait, Grogu met the drawn. dust bunnies from Spirited Away. And I it was, was so fun. excited. I was texting Brizard. I was like, like whatever it is, we got to go hard on this. Like I can't wait till this comes out. Well, they then they say it's it. coming out tomorrow, and I was like, yeah. oh okay. I guess we don't have time to prepare. And then they're like, it's a short. It's like, all right. And then I watched it and uh, I texted Brizard afterward. I was like, more of a screensaver than a short. Yeah. There's not a whole lot. It, it's legit three minutes with credits. And so yeah. it, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. It's a, a historic crossover event. But with their um, shoot, what is the show? Now I can't even think of it. What's the name of their Jedi show where it's all anime? Uh, the Star Wars uh, um, Visions. Visions. Thank you. Oh my God. I was hoping we were getting more Visions-esque, but Studio uh-huh. Ghibli, like, I thought that's where this was going. But maybe it's a sign of things to come down the road, so fingers crossed, but it, it is a historic crossover, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, a little teaser for what's coming up next. We're going to do a little non-animated stuff coming up. Oh, yeah. We are doing a bit of a superhero roundup for for the end of the year. Got a special guest coming back on, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse got- Gill to talk about She-Hulk and Black Adam and Black Panther. If you haven't seen Black Panther, at least go go and watch that. If you haven't seen She-Hulk, go watch that Black Adam. Yeah. Don't you dare. Go <laughs> see them kidding. all. If you did that order, you would say go watch She-Hulk before Black Adam. Okay, well, we're going to have uh, words next podcast, so words, that'll be yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks again for joining us, everyone. Oh, this is where I'm going to do my thing. I don't have my notes app up, but what you can do is you could, if you are enjoying listening to us, we have a ton more episodes. Go check them out on Apple, Spotify, also on YouTube uh, as well. Now you can follow us at two dudes, watch cartoons on both Instagram and TikTok. And please, if you're listening on Apple podcast, give us a rate and review. It definitely helps us out. Um, not even going to plug our Twitter. Because it's going under, right? Just kidding. (laughs) So uh, we didn't even talk anything about Elon. You know what? Good. He doesn't need any more free press. Okay. And uh, (laughs) if you want, you can follow us at Two Dudes Watch on Twitter. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for this episode. We will catch you next time. Two Dudes Watch Cartoon.